Good morning, Sugar Creek. I have a question for you. Have you ever been surprised by God? Can I see your hands? <laughs> Almost all of us, and that shouldn't surprise us. The Bible tells us that God is a God of surprises, and we're going to read together one of the passages that shows that. So would you stand with me now? Let's read this out loud from the screen from Isaiah 55. God is speaking and he says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can even imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Please be seated. God is a God of surprises. I want to tell you about one of the surprises that he brought into my life. This was a few years before I came on staff at Sugar Creek, but my wife Ruthie and I found ourselves in a very desperate financial predicament. It was our own fault. We had overspent credit cards and, you know, we just put ourselves in a position to where we didn't have enough money each month to make minimum monthly payments on everything and get our needs met. And we were short by about $200 each month. And Man, it created stress in our family. And I was just sick and tired of living this way. You know, I was sick and tired of arguing with my wife about money problems. Sick and tired of the insufficient funds notices and the late payment notices. Sick and tired of the relationship difficulties this brought into our extended family because we had a relative who loaned us some money to help us get out of debt. And then we were not able to repay that relative as we had promised. Now, do any of you know the definition of a distant relative? Well, thank the Lord we've been able to pay that relative off and the rest of our debt too by now. But, but back in this season, it was so stressful. You know, we couldn't even enjoy life. I, I remember, man, I wanted to enjoy life. And so I took my family to Six Flags over Texas. I wanted to, my family to enjoy life. And, you know, we went there and, and Carly, she, my kids were small back then, and Carly and I were riding down the parachute ride together, and I glanced at her face, and man, you should have seen the, the great look on her face. It, it was clear she was having the best time of her life, but I wasn't because I had put the whole trip on the credit card and didn't know how to pay for it when I got home. Financial debt was robbing the joy out of life from me. I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you. I was in such a bad position that I couldn't even tithe to God. Now, I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I received my living from the tithes and offerings of God's people. And yet, I wasn't tithing and giving offerings because my finances were such a mess. I wanted to. I just didn't see how I could. So I decided to make a deal with God. I said, God, if you'll help me get out of debt, I'll start tithing. And he said, if you'll start tithing, I'll help you get out of debt. Now, I've never heard God speak audibly, but I have heard God speak clearly. And God really said, Bruce, you tithe first, and I'll help you get out of debt. Now, we've all had times in our life when it seems like we cannot afford to give 10% of our income to God. It might be an appliance breaks down, so we can't tithe this month or a car repair, or 
you know, we don't want to sacrifice our retirement or maybe we buy a new car on payments and we thought we could swing the payments plus tithe, but now after we, we get in it for a few months, we just can't tithe anymore. And so we've all felt this tension of, I, I just can't give God 10% of my income. But I want you to know the surprise is this. When God asks us to tithe, he isn't out to get something from you. He's out to do something for you. And I'm going to show you that from the word of God today. So let's look at point number one in your worship guide. Deuteronomy 14.23 says, The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. We live in a society to where it's hard to keep God first place in our lives. But if we tithe, it really helps us to, you know. And, and so let me give you the definition of tithing. And, and it is voluntarily giving the first 10% of your gross income to God through your local church every time you get paid. Now, first of all, notice the word voluntarily. Please get this. You do not have to tithe if you don't want to. So relax about this message. I'm not going to push you to do it. I'm going to take you down a Bible journey that God took my wife and I down. That's amazing. But, but you don't have to tithe if you don't want to, so just relax. But it's voluntarily giving the first 10%. Now, the word tithe means 10%. It has throughout all of history in all languages. It's never meant anything else but 10%. But the Bible concept of tithing it's not just any 10 percent it's the first 10 percent it's off the top you figure it right off the top of of your gross you don't wait and subtract things out it's the first right off the top 10 percent of your income speaking of gross income some people tithe off the net instead of the gross and that's your choice but but I tithe off the gross and I think the Bible teaches it and let me just give you one of the my thoughts on this I certainly would not feel comfortable subtracting, say, my rent for living in a house or an apartment out from my tithe, I mean out from my income before I figured my tithe. That, that's not right. Nor do I feel comfortable subtracting the rent that I pay to the United States government to live in this country. Now. Some people say we live in a free country, and in some ways we do, but it costs a lot to live here. We have to pay taxes to live here, and it's okay. If you're upset about it, it's okay to move to another country, but it's not okay to rob from God because you're mad at the government. See, we figure the tithe off of our gross income, and notice it goes to God. Sometimes we're writing a check, and we're sending it, we give it to Sugar Creek, and we think we're given to Sugar Creek, and in a way you are, but, but the way the Bible frames this is when you give to God's church, you're really giving to God through your local church. So, so think of it this way. If I take a check and I'm writing out my tithe check, I, I put Sugar Creek up there in the, in the to line. Who am, I, who am I writing this to? But, but basically what's really happening in my mind and my heart is this, dear God. Have I told you how much I love you lately? Have I told you thank you for sending Jesus 
to die on the cross for my sin. See, when we, when we tithe, we're really giving to God. But we give it through the local church, and we do it every time we get paid. I get paid on the 1st and the 15th, and so my wife have set up, um, through our financial institution, our bank, our tithe to automatically go to the church on the 1st and on the 15th. I, I get... I get paid, we tithe, get paid, we tithe, get paid, we tithe. It happens automatically even if there's a hurricane and there's no church. And that's important because none of us are in church every Sunday. And it's so easy to skip the tithe when we're not in church. That's one of the values of automation. Now, you don't have to automate it if you don't want to, but we love automating the tithe. In fact, we automate the important things in our life, if at all possible. And tithing is more important than anything to us. You know, Ruthie and I, when we were in that financial bind, we made a, we made a decision. And the decision was this. In our home, if anybody gets paid, God gets paid regardless of the consequences. And so we did. We were already 200 a month short, and we started tithing and just, hey, God, either you get us through the month or, or we're done. But God came through. Did you know that we were able to pay off all of our debt except the house in five months? And here's what that did for our cash flow. It took us from $200 a month to seven, I'm sorry, 200 a month short to 750 month long extra in only five months. I didn't receive a salary raise during that time. We just paid off debt fast, fast, fast. And God was a big part of making that happen. Then we paid off a 30-year mortgage in less than five years. So that took us from 200 a month short to almost 2,000 a month extra every month. And all of this started for us. When we started tithing, we had tried to get out of debt many times prior, and we failed, we failed, we failed. I said, God, if you'll help us get out of debt, I'll start tithing. He said, if you'll start tithing, I'll help you get out of debt. We made the commitment, and God came through. It shouldn't surprise us because he says in Malachi, test me and see if I won't come through. So we tested him, and he passed the test. Now, anytime God asks you to test him, he does it because... He's going to pass the test. He's not asking you to test him so he can fail. God never fails. The question is, will you trust him and give him a chance to pass the test with flying colors? And he will. Now, let me say something about the... Uh, let, let's talk about your worship guide for a minute. Will you just pull this out? I want to show you something. Actually, keep it out, but that's not what I want right now. I want you to pull out your envelope, too. So let's do the envelope first. Now, I want, to, I want you to open this up. And if you'll see in the top left corner, there's a place for tithe, building fund, missions, and total. Now, whatever 10% of our gross income is goes in that tithe box. If you want to experience what God wants you to experience when you give then you're going to want to give the tithe to that top box. You're not going to want to designate it to something else. In the Bible, there's two kinds of giving. There's tithing and there's offerings. Now, the building fund and the missions, those would be offerings. 
By the way, we just had a, a missions offering through the month of December, and we met the goal and surpassed it. Good job, Sugar Creek. Woo! That's so good. But when we give to the missions offering, we shouldn't take, we shouldn't say, oh, we're going to move our tithe to the missions this month. No, the tithe stays. It, it, it's a constant. And then we give above and beyond to the missions. That's the difference in a designated gift and a non-designated gift. And it's important to not designate the tithe because it removes your personal preference in the gift. And God wants us to learn to let go of that money and not direct it. It's okay to direct money above and beyond the tithe, but with the tithe, he really wants us to learn to let go to our church. Next point. Number two, to always be reminded that God owns it all. He owns everything. First Chronicles 29, 10 through 19. I'm just going to read a few verses. De King David is speaking to an assembly of people just like I am here. And he's trying to raise money. He's talking to people about, hey, we want you to give and we want you to give big. And during this speech, he takes a moment to praise God and pray to God. So he's praying in front of the people and listen to what he says. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. I circled yours. And this is your kingdom. I circled your. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone. I circled you. Listen, do you know if you have any wealth or any honor, it comes from God? All good gifts come from God. You may say, no, I went to college, I have a good degree, I have a good job, and I've worked for this. Yes, that may be true. But who gave you the opportunity? Who gave you the brains? Who gave you the job? I mean, you may say, well, I interviewed for it and I passed the interview. And I'll, Yes, of course. But who gave you the ability to articulate well enough that you impressed that boss? The Bible says, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died to pay your sin penalty and that you do not even belong to yourself anymore. You are his. That means your brain, your body, you belong to Jesus. And everything, every wealth that you're able to create, any honor you're able to establish comes from God alone. Down in verse 14, but who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything that we have has come from you. Think of this. God, how can we even give anything to you? Because what we have came from you. So if we're given, we're only giving what you gave us. He says, and we give only what you first gave us. That's straight from the word of God. It's an amazing thing. To think that God really owns it all. A lot of us have learned that and believe it in our mind, but it's hard to really live it and experience it, but he really, really does. And that helps us to get a grip on this. By the way, I want to say a word to business owners for a moment, because when they think of tithing, there's, there's some implications that you might not think through. A business owner would, of course, want to tithe off whatever income that they receive from their business, 
but you would also want to tithe off any profits that you have in the business. And the reason is Proverbs 3 verse 9 says, honor the Lord out of all that the Lord has prospered you. Okay? So that's a good tip for business owners. I'm going to show some other things for business owners up here in a minute as well. But number three, there's more happiness in giving than in receiving. How many of you enjoy golf? Can I see your hands? I love golf. Those of you who play know what I'm talking about when I say I've always wanted an Odyssey putter. An Odyssey putter is a particular brand of putter, and I've always wanted one. And you can get them for about $100. Now, I want you to remember this because I'm going to tell you a different story, but we're going to come back to this Odyssey putter. Now, I was asked to preach a wedding for a young couple. And I said yes. They were very poor. I did not expect to receive an honorarium or anything like that. And I was happy to help them. But after the wedding, the father of the bride handed me a, a card uh, in an envelope. And he said thanks. And I went on my way. And I was opening it up. And inside was a $100 bill. Not from the couple, but from the father of the bride. So I'm sitting there driving. It's a Saturday afternoon. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do with this $100 bill? Bingo, I'm going to go get me an Odyssey putter, and the golf store is open right now, so I'm going right now. Well, as I'm driving, God spoke to me. Now, now listen, I have never heard God speak audibly, but I have heard God speak clearly. And God said this, don't go buy an Odyssey putter. Now, at that moment, I began to reason with God. But God repeated himself, and so I obeyed, and I went and got a little card and wrote a nice card, went back to the church. They were still there. I gave it to them and left. And I was a little bummed about not getting the Odyssey putter. Until two or three days later, I received a, a letter thanking me from the bride. And it said, Bruce, thank you for your generous gift. And listen to this line. Our honeymoon would have been a flop without your gift. Now listen, they were really very poor. Now, basically, all I did is turned a McDonald's night into a decent restaurant night. But that was meaningful to them. And when I realized how meaningful it was, how poor they were, and how that blessed them, it gave me happiness, and the Bible says it would. The Bible says there's more happiness in giving than in receiving. Point number three should be in quotes because it is a, it's a, it's a, it's from the Bible directly from the Good News Translation. So you might just want to put quotes around that. Now, I don't want you to feel sorry for me. Because I used to do financial freedom seminars and I, told, I tell this story when I do. And um, I've had three different churches give me Odyssey putters. <laughs> so I own three Odyssey putters now. And... Um, and I do enjoy them. But I want you to know what God taught me in this entire process. This was my ticket to an Odyssey putter. And God said, give it away. So I did. Here's why he wanted me to give it away. He wanted me to bless them. Number two, he wanted to make me happy. Do you know the happiness that God gave me when I read that letter has never gone away? 
I'm still happy about it. But that's not all. God wanted to provide me with more Odyssey putters than I would have ever bought for myself. <laughs> Do you realize had I disobeyed God that day, I would have used this and bought one Odyssey putter, so I'd only have one. I would not have blessed them, and I would not have received this happiness that the Bible is talking about when it says there's more happiness in giving and receiving that I still enjoy today. Now, we can't build a doctrine around this story, but we can build doctrine around the Word of God. So I want to tell you a story that will show this from the Bible. But here's the big lesson at the bottom of it all. Sometimes God does not want you to have less of what he asked you to give away. Sometimes God wants you to have more of what he asked you to give away. God didn't want me to have fewer Odyssey putters. He wanted me to have more Odyssey putters. Amazing. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. God's good. First Kings 17, the widow at Zarephath. A widow with a son, and there's famine in the lands. So there's very little food. There's people dying everywhere. She only has a little bit of flour left in a jar, just enough to make one small loaf of bread of which she and her son will eat, and then they too will die because there's no more food. There's famine in the land. Elijah, God's man, shows up and says to the woman, hey, I need some food. And she said, well, I'd love to give you some, but I don't have enough. I just have enough for this one last little loaf of bread that my son and I will eat, after which we too shall die. Elijah said, go ahead and make the bread and then feed me first. Now, Elijah was the man of God. He represented the kingdom of God, the purposes of God, the direction of God, and and here he is saying, feed me first. Now listen, what is it that this lady needed more than anything else at this point in her life? Food. And Elijah is asking her to give him the very thing she needs the most. Food. But she does decide to do it. So she makes this little bitty loaf of bread from all the flour she has. And she gives Elijah some, and she and her son eat as well. Elijah says, go back and look in the flower jar. She looks, and that flower jar has, has a bunch of flour in it, more flour than it did when she started. Because God multiplied it. And Elijah said, because you fed me first, because you trusted God, God is going to multiply your flour every day, and you and your son will not die during this land of famine, though many around you are dying. God is going to do this for you. Friends, sometimes God does not want you to have less of what he asks you to give away. Sometimes he wants you to have more of what he asks you to give away. God didn't want the widow to have less flour even though he asked her to give some away. He wanted her to have more flour, but she couldn't get it until she gave it. God didn't want me to have one putter. He wanted me to have three putters, but I couldn't get it until I gave it. Now, it's an amazing thing to realize, hey, sometimes when God asks you to give something, he doesn't want you to have less of it. He wants you to have more of it.
but you can't experience it until you give it. It's an amazing truth. Number four, it recruits God's supernatural help in my finances. In Malachi, the Bible says, um, verse 10, before verse 10, it says, if you tithe and give offerings, here's what's going to happen. I will open the windows of heaven. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room to take it in. I want you to imagine there's windows in heaven because there are. So let's pretend that this wall over here, we're looking up into heaven, and we see these windows. And I want you to imagine that your name is above one of the windows. And you can see from down here that there's a Christmas tree in your window. It's lit and beautiful. You can't see at the base of the tree, um, but you can see the tree. But you would assume there's some Christmas gifts down there, and there are. They're not Christmas, but they're, they're gifts. God calls them blessings. And the Bible says that God wants to open your window and pour out blessings on you. But the window's closed. And to open it, God has to open it and pour it out. But here's what the Bible says. God doesn't open the window and he doesn't pour out those blessings, whatever they may be, until you tithe and give offerings. That is the key to opening the window of heaven so that God will pour out these blessings on you, whatever they are. Now listen to this, next verse. Your crops will be abundant. Now, these people were farmers, but the crops represents their income or their way of earning, earning money. So, so your crops will be abundant, for I will bind the devourer from destroying your crops. This is amazing. The Bible says there's a devourer. He is the devil, and the devil wants to devour your income. And though you don't have to tithe if you don't want to, here's what happens if you don't. God allows the devil, the devourer, to eat away more than 10% of your income, meaning you experience a net financial gain if you tithe. You do not experience a net financial loss if you tithe. And it's because of the multiplication effect, the supernatural effect of God that I've already demonstrated to you. It's an amazing thing. And here the Bible says... This is where God says, test me. It's the only time in the Bible God says, test me. I encourage you to test him. Tithe for 90 days and see what happens. If you don't experience the blessing of God that, that you can tell, oh my goodness, God is really doing some amazing things here, then, then quit tithing. But give it 90 days and see. It would be so sad to be a follower of Christ and to never tithe and never to experience these blessings of God that he wants to pour out from heaven upon you. It would be a very sad thing. So give it a shot and see what happens. You'll be amazed. God will come through for you. Point number five, it enables me to experience true life. Let me read to you from... 1 Timothy 6.17, command those who are rich, I'm going to talk about rich here in a minute, in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I'm going to talk about the word enjoyment here in a minute. Command them to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will take hold of the life that is true life. 
I'm going to talk about true life here in a minute. First of all, rich. When I read this, I didn't think it applied to me because I'm not rich. I'm middle class. And by America America standards, that's true. But by world standards, it's not. And God looks at the world. He doesn't just look at America. Did you know if you're a one-car family, you only have one car? You're in the top 5% of the world's most wealthy. If, you have a two car, if you're a two-car family, you're in the top 2% of the world's most wealthy. If you earn 50000 a year or more, you're in the top 1% of the world's most wealthy. There's about 7 billion or so people on the planet. But did you know what 3 billion of them do every day with their time? They look for food and clean water. God began to show me if this passage ever applied to a people group that he would classify as rich, it certainly applies to us in America today. Okay, rich people, here's what God says to us. It's okay to be rich in this present world, but do not be arrogant or don't put your hope in wealth. It's so uncertain, but put your hope in God and listen to what he does who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Did you know one of the reasons God gives you riches is so you can enjoy it? You do not have to feel guilty if you can live in a nice house, drive a nice car, take a nice vacation, and send your kids to college. Enjoy it. You don't have to feel guilty. Feel grateful. Thank you, Lord. I'm enjoying the riches you have given to me. That's the proper response. However, watch this. Enjoying riches is fun, but God says he has something for us that's much more amazing than enjoying riches, and it's called true life in this passage. In other passages, it's called things like um, meaningful life, fulfilling life, abundant life, purposeful life. And then my add-on is life to the maximum. The best life possible. The question is, how can we experience this quality of life while we are still on planet Earth? And this passage tells us. The answer, generosity. When we become generous, God enables us to experience this quality of life. And it can be experienced no other way. There are many people who are Christ followers, they're Christians, they're going to heaven when they die because heaven's a free gift. It's by grace through faith, not of works, lest we boast about it. So, so heaven's a free, listen, you don't have to tithe to go to heaven. But you do have to tithe to experience this quality of life while you're stuck on planet earth. And it is an amazing quality of life. It's not perfect. We're still in a fallen world. We're still sinners ourselves. But there is a quality of life that's amazing that God reserves only for the generous. Next point. Tithing strengthens my faith. In the book of Proverbs 3 verse 5, we are given a do and a don't. The do is trust in the Lord. The don't is lean on your own understanding. When Ruthie and I were in a financial bind, and when I said, Lord, if you'll help me get out of debt, I'll start tithing. And God said, if you'll start tithing, I'll help you get out of debt. I said, God, that doesn't make sense to my understanding. 
90% of my income is not going to go further than 100%. And God said, Bruce, whatever you do, don't build your debt elimination battle strategy on your own understanding. Build it, do build it upon trust in me. Honor me off the top and see if I don't come through and help. And he did in remarkable ways. I could tell stories all day, but we don't have time for that. So point number seven, tithing is a wise investment. In 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19, the Bible says, By your generosity you will be storing up real treasure for yourselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. Now when you give money to Sugar Creek Baptist Church... Of course, you're really giving it to God through Sugar Creek Baptist Church. But when you do this, many amazing things happen both in the community and around the world. I mean, some of you know parts of it because you volunteer in different areas. But if you would just see a list of everything that's happening because of this church, it, you'd be amazed and you would be thrilled to donate and donate more to this church. However, God says when you do that, something is happening for you. Listen to what it is. By your generosity, you're storing up real treasure. Most of the time in the Bible, when it uses the word treasure, it's talking about money. And the Bible says when you're giving, you're storing up. It might be money. It might not be money. It's, it's real treasure is what the, wor the words are here. It could be responsibilities, leadership, um, opportunities. There's certain things it could be. It certainly could be money. I don't know that there's going to be a, a currency in heaven, but there could be. But watch this. When you're generous, you're storing up real treasure, and then the next two words are amazing. You're storing up real treasure for who? Yourself. This, this is amazing. This is like a heavenly mutual fund. It's like when I give to the church, I've got a mutual fund up there, and God's kicking money in that thing. He's storing it up, and it's for me. Now watch this. It is the only safe investment for eternity. That heavenly mutual fund will be a blessing to me, whether it's cash or whether it's whatever the real treasure is. It'll be a blessing to me. For all eternity. Down here, some of our investments just, boom, disappear. But up there, this will last you for all eternity. This is an amazing truth. Now, I do not fully understand the doctrine of eternal rewards, but it's one of the most fascinating studies. And I certainly recommend that you study the doctrine of eternal rewards. This verse is a part of that doctrine. But I do suggest to you... This book is short and explains the doctrine of eternal rewards better than anything I have seen. It's called The Treasure Principle. It's written by Randy Alcorn, who is a very conservative Baptist pastor in Portland, Oregon. Now, I do not know if he knows how to pump gas, but Either y'all haven't been watching the news or that was a terrible joke. <laughs> I don't know if he knows how to pump gas, but I do know that he's a brilliant theologian. 
And this book is a simple read. And one of the things he says in this book is, is like when you die, he says, you can't take anything with you, but you can send it on ahead. And that happens by your generosity while you're on planet Earth. Once you get up there, you can't fund that heavenly mutual fund anymore. It's funded while you're here on Earth. God stores it up, your name on it when you get there. Very exciting truth. Number eight, it blesses me. Tithing blesses me. The, the, the Proverbs 22.9 says, the generous will themselves be blessed. Back when I was doing financial freedom seminars, I lived out, lived out in West Texas, and I was in a church of about 800 people. I was one of the staff members there. I didn't know all 800 people, and there was a guy that came to my office one day and just to meet me. And he said, I hear you do financial freedom seminars. And I said, I do. And he says, well, I have a financial question for you. He says, I own a business. And he said, last year my business brought in $500,000 gross revenue out of which I kept $50,000 for my salary. And he says, but my business has been stuck at this level for a long time and I don't like it. I really want a million-dollar business and a $100,000 salary. Do you have any ideas on how I can double my business? I said, no. I said, I, I'm not good at solving business problems, but I'm pretty good at solving spiritual problems. Do you have any of those? He said, no. I said, well, I can't help. So the guy leaves. About a month later, he comes back and he says, now I have a spiritual problem. Can you help? And I said, what is it? He said, well, I don't believe in tithing. He said, I think tithing's Old Testament, not new. He said, I think tithing's under the law, not under grace. He said, I don't believe in tithing. To which I said, so? What's your problem? You don't have to believe in tithing. You don't have to practice tithing. Why don't you forget about tithing altogether and get on with your life? He said, wait a minute. He said, my problem's a little deeper than that. I said, how so? He said, last Sunday night, as you know, this church elected me to be chairman of the finance committee. Now, I want you to know something. Sugar Creek does not operate like that church of 800. So what I'm about to tell you about that church is not how we operate here, but I am going to tell you the story about how they operate there. Um, he said, I'm the guy that signs the checks in our church. He says, I'm the guy that sees the giving records in our church. He says, last Sunday night after being elected to this position, I received this box of inf- stuff, notebooks and stuff. I took it home, looked through it. And he said, man, I was shocked because though I don't know everybody's income, I know where they work, what they drive, where they live, and I can guess their approximate income. So when I'm looking at what they're giving, it's very apparent some people are really giving 10% or more to the church. He said, I've started to feel guilty about it. But he said, you know what made me feel most guilty? He said, there was an elementary kid in our church that gave more money to the church last year than I did. I said, well, what are you going to do about it? He said, well, you know I don't believe in tithing. I said, I know. He said, but I've been thinking about tithing for just this one year Why I'm chairman of this committee. I said, I would. The guy did. He started tithing. And not out of a good Bible motive. 
not out of love or worship or praise or adoration or gratitude or even obedience. He started tithing out of sheer guilt, which is the worst motive to tithe. But he did it. A year later, he came to my office and he said, Bruce, this year I did a million in my business and took a $100,000 salary. And I said, how did you solve the business problem? He said, I've looked at this from every angle. I cannot figure out a reason that this would have occurred. I, there's no explainable reason. He said, I'm convinced God doubled my business because I started tithing. I said, wow, so what are you going to do now? He said, I'm going to keep on tithing. <laughs> I said, I would. <laughs> the guy did. The next year, business doubled. Today... He earns over $10 million gross, out of which he takes a multiple seven-figure income. Every bit of this started when he started tithing out of sheer guilt. Now, do you know what bothers me about this story? When I started tithing, God didn't double my salary. <laughs> I'm glad you think it's funny. But I think I know why. God wants me to be careful how I teach this truth. If you start tithing, God does not promise to double your salary. Did you hear me? But he does promise something. He promises to bless you somehow. Listen to the verse right here. Proverbs 22.9, the generous will themselves be blessed. Sometimes the blessing of God is indeed financial in nature. Sometimes the blessing of God is even better than financial in nature. You do not get to choose how God blesses you, but you will never be disappointed in the blessing of God. You will love and enjoy the blessing of God however he chooses to, to bless you. Number nine, I've saved the best for last. Tithing draws me closer to God. Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Watch this. If I take money, treasure and I invested in the Microsoft Corporation, my entire life, my mind, my heart, my focus is going to be shifted to the Microsoft Corporation. I'm going to be focused on it. I'm going to be looking at it regularly. I may even have it on my computer screen showing if it's going up or down because, man, I've invested money over there, and I want to see how it's doing. But if I don't do that, take my treasure instead, invest it in the Apple Computer Corporation, I'm going to, instead of focusing on Microsoft, I'm going to be looking at the Apple stock and see how it's doing and rooting for it to go up. Now watch, here's, here's why this is the case. Our hearts follow our treasure. So if we take money and give it to God in the kingdom of God, here's what happens. It creates a heart shift. Our heart shifts toward God in the kingdom of God. And we experience a closeness with God, a spiritual connection with God that can be experienced no other way. Except this, giving, generosity. And it's beautiful. Do you know in the book of Malachi, do you know what that whole thing is about? It is about getting close with God again. God said to his people, you are far from me. And they said, we don't want to be far from you, we want to be close with you. And they said, well, how can we be close to you? 
And he said, give tithes and offerings because it will shift your heart toward me in the kingdom of God like nothing else. That was about revival, friends. Do you know that we can experience personal revival in our walk with God when we honor him, trust him, give right off the top tithes and offering? When God asks us to tithe, he is not out to get something from you. He is out to do something for you. Giving is for you. It blesses you. It benefits you. It helps you. It improves you. It flips a switch on the inside of you that until that switch is flipped, you will never experience all of the blessings that God has for you. About eight weeks ago, I got to church early on a Monday morning and went to my office. When I got in the office complex, one of our college kids, I don't see him here today, but one of our college kids was roaming around in the church office. And I said, well, excuse me, can I help you? And he looked and said, oh, Pastor Bruce, I hope you can help me. He said, yesterday I was out of town, and so I couldn't bring my tithe to the church. But he says, I'm committed to giving and tithing right off the top of my income, so is there any way I can leave my tithe check here in the office? I almost teared up. Here's a college kid. God first in everything. I don't know, the guy may only make minimum wage, it doesn't matter. He's going to honor the Lord with at least 10% of his income every time he gets paid. And if he's out of town, he's delivering it personally. I said, come upstairs with me and I'll show you where you can put it. And over there in the office we have a, an offering drop box that he put it in and it goes into a safe. And, and what an inspiration. It just absolutely encouraged me like crazy. My question for you is this. What will you do with this message? I have some options for you. First thing, I want you to look at your worship guide and turn it on the back. And I want you to look down here at the bottom right. You're going to see a giving summary. We have this down there every week, except maybe a couple weeks in December because we print these things out in advance. But, but this is here almost every week. I encourage you to look at it occasionally. You might look at it every week, you might look at it once a month, but occasionally look at it. It is healthy for you to know how is our church doing financially. Now, if by chance we have $100,000 more than projected, then we're going to say, wow, the church is doing good. But don't be tempted to stop tithing when the church is doing good. Here's why. We don't tithe primarily to reach this budget. We tithe primarily to not miss God's blessing. So I don't care if there's a trillion dollars overage here. I'm not going to miss God's blessing. I'm still tithing. I'd love for the finance committee to get the, get the giving report and it says, wow, we got a trillion more than we need. And then that creates a great problem for them. They're going to have to figure out, what are we going to recommend to the church we do with this money to invest in the kingdom of God to change as many lives possible? Man, that would be so cool. I also want you to know something. 
this church is funded only by the donations of our members and regular attendees. You need to know that we do not have grants from the government. We don't have grants from a charitable organization that's kicking in money here. We don't have a big trust fund somewhere that we're able to pull from. The, the only way this church receives money is you and me. That is how this church operates. That's why God designed the tithe. We all give 10% and the church operates and is able to fulfill its mission and purpose. Great. I want to draw your attention to the action steps on the back side. There's some other things you can do. I will memorize Deuteronomy 14.23. I will begin or continue trusting God through the giving of my tithes and offerings. I will consider using the automated giving option to Sugar Creek Baptist Church. You can set that up with your financial institution or you can just grow to, go to sugarcreek.net forward slash give and set it up right there. But church, I want you to know something. We can do this. We can. And if we do, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for you individually and for Sugar Creek Baptist Church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you surprise us. You surprise us in wonderful ways. We've looked at one of them today, and I just pray that you would lead our church, especially those who may have never tithed before, that, that you would just lead them to trust you, test you, and see what you do. We'll give you alone the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.